Welcome to the Next Level Leadership Small Business Owner Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Vizanar. In this podcast, you'll learn the strategies, processes, and mindset to take you, your teams, and your organization to the next level. Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ben Vizanal, and I am super excited about today's show because it's a topic that many small business owners do not take into consideration when we talk about what it takes to attract top-level talent, and more importantly, to keep it. On today's show, I have the pleasure of interviewing my good friend, Laura, from Essential HR, and we talk about just that, employer branding. Everyone knows the importance of a solid brand, right? It generates sales for you, customer loyalty, etc. But what are you doing to ensure you have a strong employer brand? If you're like a lot of small business owners, you're probably not doing anything. Well, that's okay because today I have the expert that is going to help you get on the right track. But why is employer branding so important? Well, think of it this way. Have you ever applied for a job or jobs, then suddenly found yourself faced with having to make the decision or make a decision between two different companies? I know I have. And like most people, assuming the offers are similar, you went out and asked about the reputation of the company. How do they treat their people? Did they expect you to work long hours during the holidays, etc.? Right? Well, which organization did you go with? The one with the better employer brand. Well, your potential new hires are no different, and this is why employer branding is so important for small business owners. It's just one of the many things that can help you win the war on talent when it comes to competing with larger organizations. It is that important, and make sure you listen all the way to the end because Laura has a great free download just for my listeners that will help you build a strong employer brand. Also, make sure to check out my new book, Be Small, Fight Big. It can be picked up just about anywhere books are sold. And with that, let's listen in on the interview. Laura, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So how's the day been treating you so far? You know, we are doing well. The sun is shining and, you know, the grass is still green. So we're moving forward. All right. Same thing here. It's a, it's a beautiful day. We're obviously recording this in the middle of our COVID pandemic. So the small things uh, tend to... Uh, uh, shine a little brighter than they used to, right? Uh, you got to figure where you can get it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, for our listeners that don't know who you are and what it is it you do, tell us a little bit about who you serve and the kind of work that you do. For sure. So I am actually the proprietor of Essential HR. And what Essential HR does is it serves small businesses. So primarily we look at businesses 5 to 50 people with up-leveling their HR processes and systems in order to retract and attain the best talent. So when we talk about how we work for companies, we kind of work as if you had to have an HR person in-house full-time, an HR manager, an HR coordinator. But Companies who are 5 to 50 people often don't need a full-time HR person on staff, but they do need the help, they do need the guidance, and they would love the support of somebody who can help keep them legally protected, reduce their risk, as well as set up great HR systems uh, to make sure that their people are being taken care of and their business is thriving. So we come in and we work like an HR manager in Housewood, but on a flexible, a flexible and, and part-time basis or even, you know, on a project basis. So the same as having that partnership with an HR person in-house, that's how we work with small businesses. Yeah, and I, and I talk about that a lot on the show about, you know, especially small business owners and entrepreneurs. They wear a lot of hats. And the HR one is one, of course, 
that they wear probably most often in some sort of shape, you know, way, shape, or form. Um, so it's excellent that you guys, you know, have some processes to take some of that off their plate, right? Tell me, I know we talked a little bit before the call about employer branding, and that, I think that's an, an awesome topic simply because that's something that no one is talking about, at least, at least that I've seen. Uh, and it's, it's really huge when we talk about trying to find great talent, retain great talent. So is that something that you, you know, obviously we're going to talk about it, but is that something that you have a process that you get into with your, with your clients in addition to the other work that you do? Yeah, so absolutely. Employer brand is a lot of little things put together, actually, I would say. Employer brand touches on a lot of HR processes and a lot of HR uh, strategies, and put together, it becomes what an employer brand is. So for people who might not be familiar with the term employer brand, I kind of put it in simple terms. So if we think of, you know, some of those larger organizations like Target uh, and what comes to mind about Target's brand or Apple or Southwest Airlines, and you automatically have kind of a consideration of what their brand is all about. And if I switch that, now I don't want you to think about their brand. I want you to think about their people processes. So what is Target like as an employer? What is Southwest Airlines as an employer? What is Apple as an employer? What do what feelings, what thoughts, what considerations come up when you think of those large organizations and their employer brand? And so we can go from those large organizations, and it's great. They have all kinds of you know individuals who are building their internal structures, but just as important for a small business owner to have a strong employer brand so that when they're competing for top talent, and when I mean top talent, it might be an, an entry-level person who is trying to decide between you and between the retail store down the street. Uh, It might be a mid-level person who is trying to decide between you and a competitor uh, of equal size. But that employer brand is going to help you have the competitive edge in attracting that talent by saying, you know what, we've got our stuff together and we know how to make this happen and you should be coming and working for us because we have the best processes in place and we know what we're doing. So that employer brand all speaks to what your internal protocols are. So it can start from job descriptions and job postings, the whole communication through the interview process, how people come on board, what your policies and protocols. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of small things put together. And. And you, I was going to ask you, you're making this interview super easy because I was going to ask you some questions, but you answered them already. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, em, employer branding is something that um, especially a lot of small business owners just simply don't think about. And it's super important. And, and I'll, I'll share a story when I was a young man uh, just briefly. But, you know, and I'm sure everyone's got a similar story. You go out, you try to find a job, you interview, 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 you send out resumes. Then you all of a sudden got two or three offers and you have to figure out which one to, to take. And I recall one time looking and it was it was a dollar difference one had offered me a dollar more and i talked to several different people that had worked there in the past and they were like man it's horrible uh poor leadership you know all this this fun stuff and i actually took the less paying job simply because of that reputation at that particular uh you know it was a a restaurant that had in the, in the particular local community um so i think it's very important people downplay that but it is it's hugely important when you talk about trying to find great talent right Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we have a client, and I actually just got this email a couple weeks ago, and she was competing for a college graduate, fresh out of school, um, for a their kind of first entry-level career role. 
And she offered her the job on Thursday, and the uh, individual said, listen, I have another interview on Monday, and I really appreciate everything you've done, but I really just feel like I need to take this other interview on Monday to make sure I'm making the right decision. And so she emailed to us, and she's like, I really, really want this person. And we said, you know what? Give it time. Trust your process. And Monday afternoon, it didn't even take, you know, 24 hours, she emails back to our client and says, your interview and your communication and just how you made me feel through that whole process stood out far beyond um, what this other interview was, and it just solidified my decision that you are the right person to move forward with. And that is what an employer brand is all about. So it's small things. It's how you made an, uh, a candidate feel. It's, and how you make a candidate feel also comes into play with how prepared are you for that candidate. And so that steps back to like the kind of step one of your employer brand um, when you're attracting a new candidate, which is knowing what you need. So how much do you know about the individual that you need? Is there a good job description in place? Is it thorough? And then have you made that into a great job posting? And that job posting is really about, it's kind of like a dating profile. So when you create a job description and you throw it out to the world to say, this is what I need, apply here. You know, that that's great, and I would say probably about 70% of the companies out there do that. But when you take that job description with its thousand tasks and you break it down to really what is the, the feeling, what is the tone of your organization, what do you have to offer, what are you really looking for in a couple of those tasks, and you make it more like a dating profile than a, a list of responsibilities, it really sets the tone for what candidates think of your organization before they even apply. Well, and, and that's what, so you touched on a lot of things there. So let's just rewind real quick. A lot of people put focus on the onboarding. And I can't tell you how many, even small, big, especially large companies, onboarding, they have a, a fantastic process to get you set up, you know, on day one. Most companies do, not all. And we'll get to that, I'm sure, in a second. But they totally forget that. And you just touched on it. The, really, the onboarding begins way before any of that starts. So you you believe it kind of starts with the, the job listing, the posting, or the sourcing, correct? Absolutely, yeah. So, so give us some. What do you? What do you, I know? This is you know hard to say. Every every industry is going to be maybe a little bit different. But what do you? What are your best tips when we talk about putting a listing or some sourcing together? What are your best tips for small business owners? to start that process and, and make the best possible impression that they can, or realistic one at least? You know, I think knowing what your work environment is is very important. So if you're a if you're a small business, sometimes you think, well, I can't offer A, B, and C like the big businesses do. But let me tell you, there's a lot of candidates out there who aren't looking for A, B, and C. And the fact that you offer D, E, and F, you should be proud of that, and you should be promoting that within your job posting. So perhaps... Um, your organization has work hours that are different than another organization. You say, well, we start so early. You know, for somebody, that might be the perfect opportunity. They want to start early. They, you, you open at 6 o'clock, they will be there at 6 o'clock because they are happy to not have to deal with the afternoon. And you should celebrate that in your job posting. And you can make it fun. You can make it cheeky. So do you love early mornings and fresh coffee as much as we do? So figuring out what your elements of your work environment are, whether it's, you know, the physical space, maybe your 
your physical job location or your office environment um, has some unique characteristics to it. Maybe your team has a definitive feel that you can promote, uh, or maybe it's not even an, an on-site location. Maybe it's a virtual location. Anything that you have within your role can be promoted as a strength. Maybe your team is very outspoken and everybody has an opinion, but it's part of your culture and it's part of what people enjoy about being there. They get a voice. Let's celebrate that in the job posting. Let's, let's let people know what it really is to work here. And, and I'm going to give myself a total shameless plug here because I'm drinking your Kool-Aid, Laura, 100%. So my book, Be Small, Fight Big, that is the, one of the, like the very first things we talk about is knowing what you're looking for. And then I call it, I call it building a new box. You don't have to have all the resources a large, you know, Fortune 500 has. There are things that you have that will appeal to people, top level talent that you, you don't even realize that you have, right? And that's why I call it building a new box. Forget about thinking outside the box, just build a new box. And that's exactly, <laughs> you could have written that chapter just now, but that's exactly what we talk about. Um, and, and I think you, you really hit on it when you talked about, uh, finding great talent, even if it's an entry-level position, you still want to find the top-level talent at that level. That's super important. You don't want the, the bottom of the barrel. You want the best of the best, right? For sure. And the same with those individuals um, that are coming in at entry level, like high school or college, you know, not, maybe not college, high school graduates, they're still looking for a place that makes them feel good. And, and the difference between a whole process of recruitment, the job posting, the interview, even the offer, if that doesn't make them feel good inside, and, I, and by feel good, not make them happy or give them, you know, warm fuzzies, but it just is it's even, it makes sense, it doesn't give those red flags like, sh- should I be working here? Should I take, take another position? Even a high school student has those feelings inside through an interview process. So the interview process, and I'll just step into that really quickly, We've all been through interview processes where we've had that little red flag. And you're like, okay, well, maybe I'll just look o- overlook that because, you know, these three things over here are good. Or maybe I'll just overlook the fact that they forgot I was showing up today. Um, or the fact that they didn't read my resume before they sat down with me. Or the fact that they thought I was interviewing for a different job. All those little things, which to a business owner, as a manager, we are so busy as business owners. Things fall through the cracks, 100%. And we do have to have grace for ourselves. But understanding how that comes across to other people, when they show up 10 minutes early and you show up 20 minutes late, that all has tiny little red flags that can take a great candidate and make them wonder, is this really the place for me? No, I totally agree, right? Am I special or am I not special? So so we talk about, this, you know, having that, Job listing, be very accurate, knowing what you're looking for before you post that, be very detailed, know what your culture is going to be like so that you can, they can sort of self-select before they even apply. Um, and, you, and you talked a little about interviewing. So after we get past the interview, let's say, and you decide you want to, to make a hire, what are your tips on the next step in the process to make sure that you have a great employer brand? So I don't want to skip over one part, which is the offer letter. And oftentimes we think, you know, well, we shook hands, we're good. And a handshake is not going to help you. And I would be remiss if I didn't, and I I always say this point, is that you need a solid contract offer. 
for any new employee. Uh, it outlines for the employee the, the things that you are going to promise them, and for you, it provides you the most amount of um, risk-free <laughs> capabilities when hiring a new person. Without a strong and legal offer letter, uh, you can be really in a bind. So that is all part of that process. So again, if you're looking at it from the employee and the candidate's perspective, yeah, they told me to show up on Tuesday and I had the job. Or they provided me with this offer of employment and it outlines all of the uh, the promises that they are going to give to me and all the promises that I'm saying to them, That's and we've both signed it, which one do you think is going to give an individual a little bit more confidence that they actually have a job to show up to on Tuesday? And which one is going to provide you with the greatest amount of uh, risk-free liability when hiring a new person? All right, the, the, so, the written one. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I love offer letters, but I'm an HR geek. I get that a lot of people think that it feels cold or it feels, you know, just legalese, um, but really it's the confidence for both relationships to feel going forward in, into this new relationship, really. Yeah, well, let me ask you this then. So, and this is, you know, maybe taking us a little off track, but how, what are your thoughts or your feelings around um, – sending out letters for those that you didn't pick to come on board with you. Do you believe we should be doing those, or maybe that is that just last decade's cool thing to do? So I would say it depends on how much engagement you've had with the individual. Um, and it's up to each person. I know for me personally, if somebody's applied to a job that I'm recruiting for uh, and I don't talk to them, I, I don't reach out to them, I don't, then I don't follow up and say, story, you know, we, we're, not, we're moving forward. If there's been no relationship between me and that candidate, I don't usually follow up uh, because sometimes you can get a job, like you can get 150 candidates to one job posting. If I have in any way emailed them to reach out or had an interview with them, then I certainly will follow up with them to say, I'm sorry, we've moved forward with a different candidate. And if we've had in-person interviews, you know, I give it a little bit more consideration. Depending on that length of relationship and really the in-depthness of how much has the candidate put out, have they shown up to my location for one, two, or three interviews? And that will all determine on how much, you know, um, communication I have with them when we unfortunately have to turn their candidacy down. Mm. No, I agree. I can't tell you how many times, I should say how many times, but I've, I've interviewed before and done, you know, the whole gambit of five or six interviews. And all of a sudden they just disappear. They just ghost on you. You know, <laughs> it's like a bad date. Um, and it was very unprofessional in my opinion. And I said, you know, at a high level, when you're looking at interviewing at a high level, um, that's just, I would never work for that company again, even though they're probably a fantastic company to work for. I mean, you know, it's, come on. Now, I think I agree. If you just sent, you know, you, you sifted through some, some resumes, never had any interaction, there's really no need to, to send them a letter or a call. But I think it's, you know, common human decency, I think, should, should sort of uh, reign the, the day when we talk about that type of stuff. So let's kind of get back on track. So um, offer, so we, we do our a great listing. We will do a fantastic interview. Uh, if we decide to move forward, we're going to do an offer letter. So what's kind of the next, the next tip that you have for us when we talk about building a great employer brand? So let's talk about onboarding. And I know you touched on this before, and onboarding is one of my favorite favorite projects. Um, we love building great onboarding systems for small businesses. And having a great onboarding system uh, will really help make 
the manager's or the hiring manager's job so much easier. So we've all had the experience where you walk in to your first day of employment at this, you know, XYZ company, and they say, oh, we're so happy to have you. Here's your desk. And, you know, it might or might not be clean from the last person who sat there. Um, But you brush that over, not a big deal. And maybe they take you out for lunch, which is a great thing to have colleagues take a new employee out for lunch on the first day, depending on your environment. And then you get get back to the office and, and you're looking and trying to figure out, you know, what are the next steps. And they say, here, read these documents. And you're left to yourself and it's now 1.30 and you finish reading the documents, and you have no idea what you're going to do for the next three hours until, you know, it's technically the time to go home. I think most people have had, whether it's an officer environment or, you know, a, a retail environment or some type of training environment where you're stuck in this limbo of feeling left by yourself and unaccomplished and all alone. And I think having a great onboarding process will help alleviate that ev- And even more important, it's going to help people come on board quicker. And there's a direct correlation to a good onboarding process and the length of engagement an employee has over time. So a bad onboarding process, one where the employee is left on their own, feels like they have nobody to talk to, no connection to the organization, is going to result in a higher turnover. And we all know hiring is expensive. So if we can put a little bit of effort into how we bring people on that first day, that first week, that first month, that first three months, what does that look like and what do we need to have as actions and goal steps? And small businesses, let's be honest, we don't have a lot of time as small businesses. We are hiring people because we don't have a lot of time and we need to offload some other task onto a new person. So as small business owners and as managers, it's not like we're sitting around for days on end in order to chat with a new employee and you know kick up our feet and go for lunch and, and drinks after work. That's not usually the experience of a small business owner as much as we wish it was. So having a process that says day one, this is what's happening. This is the schedule. Day two, this is what we're going to need you to do. And getting the person on board and, and excited and engaged because we all want to feel like we're contributing as quickly as possible when we start a new role. There's not a lot of people who want to read the employee policy manual for three days, except me maybe. I love those things. But most people want to feel like they can contribute to part of the team that they've just started on. So ensuring that that onboarding process is is a positive experience and done as succinctly and as clearly as possible is is very important in establishing your employer brand. So you you kind of touched on something I've never really heard before, and it's kind of interesting. So I've always thought of onboarding as like, hey, day one, maybe week one, we do some training, we do some X. Um, but you recommend doing uh, 30, 60, 90. What would that look like if you can maybe give us an example of what what those touch points would be maybe for a small business or anything you've seen in your experience? Sure. So I'll, um, I'll use the example maybe of a small restaurant. So there may be some shadowing that you need to do in the first day or two days or three days, but by 30 days, you need to know that does this person know A, B, and C? Can they do... D, E, and F, like you have to have the checkpoints as to understanding what their capacities are. 
And I always find those 30, 60, 90, they're not going to be so much, you know, a lot of performance management systems that we create. It's, it's two-way conversation, right? You want to know about them, how they're feeling, what their goals are, and then you give feedback as to what's going on in the past two weeks, one month, three months, however long that performance checkpoint is. In that 30, 60, 90, what you need to do to help and, and for lack of a better term, help grow that little baby bird into a blossoming, flying bird all on their own, is you've got to give them that positive feedback. So that 30, 60, 90 looks more like positive feedback than it looks like, um, like a, a critique. Because at this point, they don't know what they don't know. And so providing that information and providing that positive reinforcement is going to help them uh, to increase their confidence in their abilities as well. Now, the, again, let's talk about the, the difficulties of small business. 30, 60, 90, all of us want to do that. We have the best of intentions to make sure that we do a 30, 60, 90 check-in with our new hires. But time is often not on our side and our schedules are crazy. So my best suggestion is don't promise what you can't deliver. If you want to do a 30, 60, 90 and you believe that it's important and it, and it is, then make sure it happens. If you don't think you can deliver on a 30, 60, 90 performance feedback, then I would say make sure you promise what you can deliver on because that goes back to the employer brand. Did you say some, that you were going to do something and did you do it? Um, you want to make sure that that confidence is there for your, for your employees that if you say you're going to do it, it's going to happen. Yeah, keep your promises for sure. What else, Laura, should our listeners know when we talk about employer branding uh, as we start to wind down here? So my my favorite thing when I see employer branding is consistency with your company brand. So we work so hard on our company brands. We work so hard on you know the website and what we give to our external clients. We would never give them a new customer. Um, something to fill in that was a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy from a PDF 15 years ago. That's just not how we present ourselves as employers, yet that often happens when it comes to our internal uh, and new hires and team members. We don't look at the consistency of our employer brand through all of our documents. So we have the opportunity to align from a graphics perspective all of our HR protocols, our internal documents, our onboarding, our, our job postings to align with our corporate brand, our business brand, and it just gives so much more power to everything that we're doing. That visual, that visual confirmation that things are in order goes so far in helping a new employee or even a, a, an existing employee have confidence in your systems and protocols. Well, I can't tell how many times I've seen a resume, like you just said, you know, they, they, you need to, uh, you bring them a nice pretty resume and they say, well, you gotta fill out a job application and it's, uh, you can tell it's a photocopy like 10,000 times, like you said, you yeah. can't tell, is it, is it, is it asking my last name or my first name? I can't read it. Um, yeah, but that yeah. sets a tone. Yeah, it sets a tone, no doubt about it. Well, for our listeners that want to reach out to you and learn more about what you do, Laura, where can they find you? Sure. My website is www.essentialhr.ca. And if your listeners are looking for more information about aligning and defining their employer brand, we've got a great download. And it can be found at essentialhr.ca slash next level. And they can grab that from there to help starting to define and align their employer brand as well. 
Also, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Laura, thank you so much for being with us today. I think our listeners gained a ton of value. We touched on a, a lot of different topics that just people just don't think about, unfortunately. Thank you for being with us. I really appreciate your time. Hey, awesome. And for, for all our listeners today, I hope you learned at least one thing will help take you to the next level. Hey, thanks for listening today. For more episodes, make sure to click the subscribe button below and check out our blog for other impactful information that might be of interest to you at vizanaconsulting.com forward slash blog. That's Vizana, V is in victory, E-Z-I-N-A, consulting.com slash blog. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at vizanaconsulting.com. That's podcast at vizanaconsulting.com. I'm your host, Ben Vizanaw, and I'll see you next time on the Next Level Leadership and Small Business Owner Show.